0: This morning's scripture reading comes from Joel 2, verses 12 and 13. That is why the Lord says, Turn to me now while there is time. Give me your hearts. Come with fasting, weeping, and mourning. Don't tear your clothing in your grief, but tear your hearts instead. Return to the Lord your God. For he is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry, and filled with unfailing love. He is eager to relent and not punish. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God for God's word today, and thank you for being here. Um, We're going through the means of grace, and... We've we've covered a lot of ground. This is a pretty long series. We have two or three more weeks, and remember, means of grace are these are channels, uh, channels, opportunities we have. Ordinary, easy to neglect, prayer, reading scriptures, acts of mercy, uh, worship, the Lord's supper, um, and fasting. Ways in which we sort of get get in the way of God's uh, grace. But let me say this real quickly and remind us what grace is and what grace is not. Um, These are tried and true practices of the early church. Um, All of these, uh, all of these disciplines that we're talking about, um, these are things that people have been doing who whose lives have have, have complicated and as uh, as chaotic at times as yours or mine, and they've used these means of grace, these proven paths. ...to open themselves up more to what God would have in their lives. It's very, very important. Grace is always the center of all of this. We're not talking about earning God's love... ...or doing something so that God will love you. That's not what we're talking about. Remember, too, that grace is not just a saving grace... ...it's also an equipping grace. So we believe that God's grace empowers us... ...and these are ways that we step into that. These are opportunities. Grace doesn't just rescue us, it changes us. It's very, very important. I believe, I believe, we believe that as we step into God's grace and begin to practice what we've been taught, that God will change us. It's almost like God is this, uh, 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 well, like an artist that is chipping away constantly at the granite, at you and me and at us, so that nothing will be left except that which is, bears the image of Christ. And that's what we're talking about. Grace sort of pulls us in the dance. How many of you love to dance? Anybody like to dance? How many of you never dance? Not even, okay, that's all. okay, okay. Okay. <laughs> um, you know about going to these dances where there are people that just stay over by the punch bowl and by the wall, right? How many would that describe? Does that describe you a little bit? Yeah. And then the music plays. Maybe, I don't know. I don't know what song is out there. And everybody goes out to dance. Even the people that can't dance, right? Even the terrible dancers. And you're stuck over by that punch bowl, right? And God, or the music, is calling you to the dance floor, and you've got to make a decision right there whether you're going to dance or not. Now, my prayer for all of us, no matter where we feel like on this, ro- on this road of discipleship, is, is that we dance. It was that we dance. I don't want us to be punch bowl disciples, right? You don't want to be a punch bowl. Dis- I mean, it's no fun sitting there staring at everybody dancing, but that's what a lot of us do. Um, And so we're invited to get out on that dance floor, and that's what these means of grace are. They're not obligatory duties that you have to do, some sort of robotic kind of thing, like you do this, you have to do this if you're a Christian. No, they're springboards to a new kind of life. They're springboards to a new kind of life. Disciples are given these channels to continue to grow throughout their lives, and this is the heart of Christianity. This is the heart of discipleship. It's, I hate to borrow... You know, the slogan from Nike, but it's just do it. It's, it's just do it. We are people of the way. We're people of the way. That's what we're called to do. A lot like dancing. The music is there, the band is playing, and God keeps looking at us. And God won't stop inviting us. The music will keep playing. Very much like... Like maybe a, a daughter dancing with her dad. Did any of you remember as a child doing that where you step on the feet of your dad or your mom and you're holding their hands and you're stepping and you're doing the step? That is very much what we're talking about. It's, it's letting go of enough in your life so that you can hear the call of God to do what you never thought you could do and then you could step on God's feet and begin to enjoy Uh, the gift uh, of dancing. You got that picture up there, Daniel? He's coming. There we go. Kind of like that, you know? And it's easy not to hear the music. And it's easy not to dance. And it's easy to hide behind the punch bowl. You know, that's what broke Jesus' heart most of all. It's not necessarily what people did that He didn't like. It's what people didn't do that He was inviting to. They just wouldn't come to the dance Jesus said one time, "I played the flute for you, but you would not dance, and He wept at people who would not join the dance floor now why don 't we do, join the dance well there 's a problem in luke eight fourteen if you 've got your bibles, and I think we 've got that up there up there in a second, Jesus talks about the the seed that fell on all kinds of ground and the condition of the seed, you know some some fell on thorny, hard ground. Others, others uh, were, were thrown among the, the weeds and the thistles. And there was one condition of a seed, he, Jesus said in his parable. He says, as for what fell among the thorns, those are the ones who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. I think that describes me a whole lot, if I'm, if I'm going to be honest with you. Jim Rohn said, uh, said this. He said, motivation will get you in the game, but habits will keep you there. And sometimes I think we grow cold or our faith grows dusty, and we forget that we're not connecting. We're not stepping on the feet of God and holding the hands of God and dancing anymore. And we're getting what a lot of us might call spiritual atrophy. And God is asking us to, to flex those muscles again. And boy, are we going to flex them today on fasting Man, what a terrible time to talk about fasting. I, you know, Saturday, did all y'all eat a whole bunch on Saturday? I know I did. I'm telling you what. This is like the season for grilling and barbecue and tailgating. Did anybody tailgate this Saturday? I hope he did. It's a, it's a lot of fun. But, you know, it's even harder any time as North American Christians because I think we have a real hard time denying ourselves because everything is so easy to get. You notice that it's even getting easier. Um, today I can get on a grocery store, I can I can do my orders and I can just park and they're gonna take it, they're gonna bring the food to me. Have y'all discovered that yet? I mean it's almost like you don't even have to think about food anymore, where it comes from, who made it. It's just coming to you, and uh, we don't think about clothes, we don't think about Worrying about where our next meal is coming from, we're always looking at technology. Right? We don't even know we're doing it. Boom! Every fifteen minutes, I heard uh, that uh, your cell phone is designed psychologically to make you listen, make you look at it. Five every five minutes, whether you need to or not. And there's a thing. There's a there's a, a phenomenon called phantom ringing, and you've probably had it. Like you think your phone is ringing, so you pull it out. You may hear another one ringing. There's even a, a, a vibration on a uh, on a commercial, and every time it it, it vibrates, I, I pick up my phone and look at it. So we're just we're almost like we North American Christians are sleepwalking through life. Um, we are, uh, and it's it's easy. And I will tell you, fasting might could break us from that for sure. It's a strange practice for sure. All three. Uh, monotheistic religions, all three that derived out of the, uh, of Abraham, um, all three religions, it's, it's a practice. Our Jewish friends on September 29th will celebrate Yom Kippur. They'll celebrate that God is merciful and compassionate. And they'll be called on September 29th, sundown, that Friday night, to fast until sundown the next day. When I was in Jackson had some really good Muslim friends who actually took me to Turkey, took me and a rabbi and a whole bunch of pastors all over Turkey, and they became very close friends. And her name was Hatice, and Hatijay was so, she was just awesome. She said, when I grew up, I want to be just like her. She was so full of love and joy, and she took us all over, and she protected us. We went through all, and she called me. She said, Bruce, we want you to come uh, ...to dinner. We're, we're going through Ramadan... ...and we want you to feast with us. When, when is it? It's at sundown. Well, I quickly looked at Ramadan... ...and what our Muslim friends do. For 28 days, a 28-day period... ...every year, they will... ...those who are able and those who can... ...will start fasting beginning sunup... ...and they won't eat anything... ...until the sun sets. And then, for 28 straight days... They fast during the daylight hours, and then they feast right at the end. So we were in Ridgeland in this apartment, and uh, Hatij was there, and Fatih and his wife and his daughter, and uh, we were talking and chatting, and Susanna, Jen, and I, we were talking, chatting, hanging out. All of a sudden, right at the minute it was sundown, Hatij said, Fatih, say the prayers. Fatih goes up, and... He shared the most beautiful prayer. It was in. Tur- it, was, it was speaking Turkish, so I didn't know what he was saying. But it was, you know how you can feel that energy behind the prayer. It was so beautiful. And we sat beside the table, and Hatije asked me, and I was so honored she said, "Would you return thanks?" And, and, and I did as well. And we had this beautiful meal, and I just said, "Haatije, how did you cook this food all day, And did you not cheat a little bit and eat a little bit?" No, no, I didn't. I didn't. I love hanging out with Khadija and Fatih because they always make me wonder, ask myself, am I as devout a Christian as they are a Muslim? Am I as committed to my faith as they are to theirs? And would I ever fast all day long for God? I got to admit, I'm a lightweight. I don't know about you. I'm not very good at this. Okay, so during Lent... I'll sort of cut, hedge my bets a little bit and, you know, I'll give up chocolate. Or, you know what, for 40 days I'm going to stop complaining. You know, I always kind of mitigate it just a little bit because I don't like the idea of being without food for very long. Only one time was I without food for an extended period of time and it was a forced fast, so I guess it doesn't count. Some of you were there too during Hurricane Katrina when we were here in Hattiesburg. When all of our refrigerators broke... All the power was out. Do you remember? Ninety percent of the roads were blocked. Couldn't go anywhere. Couldn't do anything. Food was going bad. No air conditioning. But something strange happened when we were in that sort of cone of, um, of scarcity. There was a point in which I was worried about my next paycheck, about how to fix my house, about where my food was going to be and how my family, everything was my, 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 me, me, me. And then as people came out of their homes, all of a sudden, every night during Hurricane Katrina Katrina was a feast. We were gathered with people at night, and there were people who lived within 100 feet of me that I never met in my entire life that I got to meet then, back when I was living in the historic district here in Hattiesburg. But I wondered, does God need to send a storm for us to fast? Why do I even need a storm if knowing that sometimes, like Leslie said, if I'm making a space in my soul for God, I can do that anytime. I don't have to wait for a catastrophe or a storm. Fasting is not about sanctimonious posturing. It's not some technique to get the universe to do what we want it to do. Fasting is a way that we, honor, we offer God our blind spots, our indulgence, our extravagance, our greed, our excess, and we give them to Jesus. Fasting helps us to remember that we have a bigger story to live than my food and my clothes and my technology, that God is drawing us into a much bigger story than that. Fasting reminds us that there is no equal in this world to the gospel life that no matter what I have in this life, whether I feel like I've got a lot or I feel like I don't have much, and, buddy, I, I think we all have a lot. Don't you think that? We're probably way up the top of the scale there. That God is the most important thing in my life, not my next meal. And that is something I need to learn over and over and over again. Now, here's the definition of fasting on the slide. I'll show it to you. Um, Jan, uh, Hatmaker, Jen Hatmaker wrote this book called Seven. And if you're really interested in exploring more into fasting, this would be the first book I would I would recommend. Her definition is this: fasting is an intentional reduction, a deliberate abstinence to summon God's movement in our lives. So some of us might make some space for God by letting go of our technology. Did you know somebody in this very room did that for a whole week? Eric, Eric did. Um, Eric. Yeah, grab the, grab the microphone. So, Eric, um, and, and I warned him, don't worry, but um, Eric, uh, <laughs> so tell us what you did a few months ago, how you, how you fasted from something.
1: Well, what I did was uh, we were just going to have a Sunday school class about the internet, how some of us use it way too much, but... Uh, Um, So what I did was uh, uh, one Sunday I just gave Julie my iPhone. And then the next Sunday I picked it up. And um, I went through withdrawals, um, as you might imagine. The weirdest part of the whole thing was um, it was that feeling of something's going on in the world right this moment and I don't know about it. (laughs) I felt that for a whole week. And, uh, but that was, yeah, that, that, that's, that's the summary of what I went through, but like anything else you have a habit of, you give it up for a little while, like fasting or food and, um, you just go through withdrawals. I guarantee you, you do this if you put your phone down, even for a day. So,
0: yeah. So did, how did it, did it, how did it change you? Did it change you at all?
1: I think I lost some weight. I don't know why, but I think I lost some weight. I wasn't eating well, I think. Okay. All right. Uh, But, yeah, it just, it really did. um, um, After a few days, I did, suddenly, it reduced my need to know everything. And I felt like if I had done this for even longer, that would have gotten better over time. Because I'm one of those people, I'm one of those generation people that know what life was like before the internet mm-hmm. and it is a lot different now and uh it's that contrast between the two um but i still say that uh this thing is going to be um uh it'll be obsolete one day and i don't think it's far off either i mean you know it'll get smaller and smaller and then they may start surgically implanting things that uh, get Facebook in your brain, so all you have to do is think about it, and there it is. Mm-hmm. But uh, this will be in the shelf, on the shelf with my DVDs and CDs and VHS tapes and beta tapes and cassette tapes and 8-track tapes and 45s. Some of you all don't know what 45s are, but trust me, I have a shelf full of them.
0: <laughs> Thank you, Eric. Just, a, just one example. And I guess the question we might ask today is... What do I need to let go of to get out there on that dance floor, to leave the punch bowl? What am I holding on to that is making my spiritual life and my soul feel so cumbersome? It might be clothes or food. Your blind spot might be social media. Anger might be busyness. But what is choking the life out of you? And then when you think about that, figure out a way figure out a way to let go for a period of time and see what you may learn. Fasting is all through the Bible, just like Leslie said. Esther, Queen Esther, she fasted for three days. She was in the king's court, had a position of power, and she knew she had to confront the king to speak up for her people Israel or they would be annihilated. And she knew the risk of that might be capital punishment if she offended the king. Ezra, when... The Jerusalem was desolated. Ezra had to, uh, to rebuild the temple, had to carry some gold and silver. And he fasted to prepare for the journey because he knew it would be dangerous and there would be those who might want to uh, rob him and steal him of this. Daniel fasted for a revelation, for a new view for God's people. And he got uh, uh, the angel Gabriel to work, Gabriel to work out his plan for him. In Antioch, the church fasted, and after their period of fasting, they chose a guy named Paul and another guy named Barnabas to help lead the church. Fasting is not a way to mani- manipulate God. The point is here is that when we fast, we, 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 help, we create room to uh, remember what we have forgotten. And here's what I, we all need to remember when we're fasting. You've got one life to live on this earth. You've got one life to live. What are you going to do with this wild, precious life that you've been given? Mary Oliver said that. What are you going to do with it? And are you trying to do so many things and be so many things that you can't be the one thing that God has called you to be? What are you going to do and where are you going to make room for God's grace that not only wants to rescue you and save you, but wants to use you for the kingdom? Jesus said, "Not if you fast, but when you fast." Jesus says, "When you fast, don't make a big show of it. Don't don't discolor your face. Don't don't try to prove yourself to anybody. When you fast, like when you pray, fast in secret. It's between you and God. Now, you might want to bring someone in to be accountable to if you want to try to give something to challenge you. But basically, this is a spiritual thing between you and God." Don't fast, don't ever fast because you feel compelled to do it and you need to do it, but pray about it. Maybe God is calling you to let something go. From the five spiritual benefits of fasting, it says this, and I love this. It says, while long suffering is a part of being human and certainly part of being a Christian, and and Daniel, there's a quote here, and you can put up the next paper. While long suffering is a part of being human and certainly a part of being Christian, Fasting should not be included when we think about suffering for Christ. On the contrary, fasting is less about what we're giving up and much more about what we're making room for. Fasting is less about what we're giving up and much more about what we're making room for. When we fast, we exchange what we think we need in order to survive in exchange for what we know we've got in order to really live, and that's the grace of Jesus Christ. So when you fast, says Jesus, says God, check your heart and your motivation. When you give up, give up something, let it guide you to that dance floor, to what you need to be about, which goes back to God's longest rant about God's people, about fasting, which was Isaiah 58, Vicky read it. Said, is this not the fast I choose? To loose the bonds of captivity... To feed the hungry? Is this not the fast that I choose? So use that emptiness to ask God to lead you to be a more passionate, a more genuine, a more authentic Christian, someone who's more committed to God, to people, and to those in the margins like Jesus called us to. Let that get you closer to the music. Let go of your excess so that your hands and feet can again connect with God in the dance. Let it form you into something closer into your original image, which was made in the image of God. So fast to get to the feast like my friends Hatijay and Fatih. Allow something to let go and get away from your life. Let go of your grip on something in order that you on sundown might... Shout for joy of God for the feast that is before you. One of the most basic things about Jesus Christ is the Greek word, kenosis. That means He was self-emptying. So every time we fast and we let go of something, we are reminded of the one who fasted completely for you and for me, who emptied himself and didn't didn't consider being uh, equal with God something to be exploited but died, emptied his life, fasted his entire life for you and for me. So never waste a good fast. And never forget that it leads us to the great feast. Let us pray. God, so many of us in, this, uh, in, in our time, in our discipleship, some of us have, don't even feel like we're anywhere close to the dance floor. We feel like we're, we're paralyzed a bit. We don't know how to move and where to go. We have stopped listening to your music. We've gotten comfortable over by the punch bowl. Lord, help us to find your hands and your feet again. Through fasting and prayer, through the Lord's Supper, through acts of mercy, through worship, so that we might join with your hands yet again. God, thank you for the greatest fast of all, for Christ our Lord, who emptied himself for all of us. In his name we pray. Amen.